all the the greatest moments of my life was like a revenge story. It's using that failure as a way to fuel your next thing. It was all because I had all those experiences again. Having faith that life is limitless gave me resiliency. When you get rejected so many times, you win some and you lose some. And I saw that a lot at a young age. I applied to 14 schools and didn't get to any of them. I'm so freaking thankful. You need to trust that the universe is guiding you to where you're supposed to go. And sometimes the journey takes a lot longer than you thought it was because it wasn't my time. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't ready. I didn't have the right skills. And now is my time. back to Diary of an Empath. My next guest is Hala Taha. She is known as the podcast princess. She's the host of the podcast Young and Profiting and the CEO of Yap Media. She's literally proof that podcasting can change and revolutionize your life, which is what I'm trying to do. And I noticed we have a lot in common. So first of all, thank you for coming on the show. I'm so appreciative and very excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, likewise. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So you're Palestinian, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So 100%. we have that in common. Yep. We. So I'm part Palestinian. I'm not 100%. Oh, wow. Yes. So my grandfather is from, I think it's called Bet Hanina, somewhere in oh, that very area. very cool. That's yeah. awesome. So we both have that. I think we both sing. We're both podcasters. We've both been in podcast magazine. Yeah, yeah. So we definitely have some things in common. So Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself, because I know that, you know, you have the Palestinian background. Tell me about where you grew up, where your family's from, and kind of how you got to this journey with where you are now. Oh, my gosh. It was a long time coming. So I actually grew up in New Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl. I was born into a family of doctors. So a lot of Middle Eastern people, you know, their families are doctors, engineers, that's kind of like what success looks like in that world. So me being an entertainer, a singer from a very young age was really hard. You know, I didn't really fit in with the Arabic community. And at the same time, I didn't really fit in with the American community because when I was growing up, that's when 9-11 happened. And it was really difficult for me. I went from being like a normal girl who was kind of like treated like an Italian family to in high school when 9-11 happened. All of a sudden, it was like I was a terrorist and, um, you know, I wasn't getting opportunities. And even though I had the best voice in school, for example, I didn't get on the talent show or in the play when I used to be like the lead in, in middle school and I didn't get on any sports teams. And so it was a blessing in disguise because I got rejected so much in high school that when I got to college, I was not afraid of rejection. And that's when things really took off for me. So I was the lead in the play. I was captain of the cheerleading team. And eventually I ended up landing an internship at Hot 97. And when I was 19, I worked at the number one radio station in the world, Hot 97, as an intern. I did a really good job. I ended up dropping out of school, working for Angie Martinez full time, who was the voice of New York at the time. And I interned at Hot 97 for three years. And so before then, I thought I was going to be a singer. I was writing music. I was songwriting. I was working with different producers. And my goal was to push music 
at Hot 97 to be a singer. Um, but then I fell in love with radio and broadcasting. So I did Hot 97 for three years. I ended up leaving. I started a blog site called the uh, strawberryblunt.com, the sorority of hip hop. I did that for three years, had about 150 girls in and out. We were an entire movement in the tri-state area, had a very popular entertainment and hip hop blog site. It was like fashion music, interviewed Chris Brown, fabulous, you name it, Soldier Boy. And so we had online radio shows on the side. We'd host parties. We had this blog, almost got a show on MTV twice, uh, filmed an MTV show for an entire summer. They pulled the plug last minute Hmm. and uh, it was another huge rejection. And I thought my entertainment career was over. So I said, you know what? Like my family's embarrassed of me. Everyone's a doctor. I'm like still trying to make it six years later. Didn't get this, you know, hosting job at Hot 97 that I was working for. Didn't get the MTV show. I'm just going to be normal. I went and got my MBA. I went into corporate and I worked at Hewlett Packard and I literally just had a nor. I did great as a corporate worker, but it was just a regular job. Four years into it, I didn't get an opportunity that I wanted at the company. It triggered me to start Young and Profiting Podcasts. I started my LinkedIn journey. I blew up on LinkedIn. My podcast then took off. And here we are four years later, 60 employees, 4 million in revenue at Yap Media's uh, full-time entrepreneur and living my dream life. But it was a long time coming. <laughs> I bet. I love that. And I love that you didn't stop. You know, you had you talked about that you've had these rejections. And I, I'm sure that that has got to be able to feel like shit to be like, okay, well, what's wrong with me? Or am I not doing something right? How did you take those rejections and just say, you know what, I'm going to turn it around? Like, because a normal person would have just said, I'm done. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to do a regular schmegular life. Was there a turning point for you where you said like, no, I have to do what I want to do. I have to do my dreams. Why didn't you just stop? Well, first of all, like I said, I think I had some thick skin because I was rejected over and over again in high school for reasons that were beyond my control. And so from a young age, I learned that there's gatekeepers in life and gatekeepers could let you in or they could not let you in. And your job was to just keep getting those opportunities. And so I was very much a person that would see everything as an opportunity, whether I won or lost. The other thing that I think was pretty unique with me is that I fell in love with the law of attraction when I was Mm -hmm. 19 and it literally changed my life. I was obsessed with it. I actually don't connect much to the religion I was born with. Maybe that will change in the future, but like, so I, I was born Muslim and so I felt like I had no religion until I found the law of attraction and I literally treated it like it was my new religion in college. And I'm telling you, like people used to come up to me, they're like, how are you doing this? Like, how are you 19 years old, like on air, on the radio and hanging out with celebrities? I was dating Chris Brown at one point. Oh, like, the, what's yeah, the tea? <laughs> and, yeah. And so like, it's like, I was like rock. I was like running the city, like 19, 20, 21 years old with like all the hottest DJs. And, you know, if you're in that world, it was a really big deal what I was doing. And it was all because I was manifesting and I truly believed that I was like destined for greatness. And the one point in my life where I had lost that, it was after many, many rejections. So I I got rejected from Hot 97. I actually got fired after working there for free for three years. And I got fired for like no good reason. Then I, I had the MTV thing. You know, they dropped our show twice, essentially. The second time around, they were like, you're 100% going to get it. I didn't do love and hip hop for that MTV opportunity. And so it was like double rejection because then MTV dropped me and I lost love and hip hop opportunity. I almost had a show on Sirius 
uh, XM. I was the co-host for Sway in the morning for like two weeks and then they let me go. And so I just had like, like rejection after rejection after rejection. And then I was just so like, just beat down. And I was like, it was my family really that was pressuring me. And I was like, well, maybe this is not for me. And I started to listen to other people instead of listening to myself. And I was like, maybe I should listen to my family who thinks like all I'll amount to is to be like a nurse or like a a physician. They were like telling me to be like a speech language pathologist, which makes like $80,000 a year, which is great. But now it's like, I've, I'm like doing so much bigger things. And I always knew that I had that in me, but everybody around me was telling me, you know, you're smaller than this, like be small. And so I did play small for four years. I was just in corporate and I literally just thought that that I was all, that was all I was going to ever be is just a corporate worker, maybe become a CMO or an executive. Um, but at the end of the day, I realized that was not for me. And I started a side hustle. I started a young and profiting podcast as a side hustle for two years. It kept growing and growing. Then two years into it, I started my marketing and podcast agency and that's taken off and now I'm an entrepreneur. And so it is possible. And I guess the lesson in that is that you can believe in yourself and you can lose it and you can also start something new no matter what age you're at. I love that. And the thing is, too, you you brought up, you know, the Arab background. For those that don't know, a lot of Arab families, like, they do want you to be, like, in this box of, you know, being successful looks like being a doctor, being in healthcare, being a lawyer. And it can be really difficult when you're having pressure from your family versus, you know, what society is telling you to do, what your family is telling you to do. And you talked about the law of attraction, which I love because I'm very spiritual myself. And I totally understand what it feels like to be, like, stuck between religion and a box of religion versus, you know, this whole new world opens for you. And when you align with your purpose and what you're supposed to be doing, things just start to kind of come at you and what's not supposed to be on your path will leave. And sometimes it can feel like a detrimental blow. It can feel like a failure, but really it's just because it's not meant for you anymore, but maybe it had a purpose at that time. Do you feel like your time at Hot 97, because you were there for three years, do you feel like there was a lesson there for you to learn? Do you feel like it helped you with where you're at right now? Side note, did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a professional tarot reader? It's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life. Tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too. Click on the link in this podcast for more info. Okay, back to the podcast. Oh, 100%. I always say that when you fail and you start your next thing, you don't start from scratch. You start from experience. And that's a super powerful thing. And I feel like I built my whole career on skill stacking. And even from when I was, I've worked since I was 13 years old, also very, very culturally different than what I was supposed to do. I used to have to beg my parents to work. And so from 13 years old, I was working at at a hair salon. I worked at a gift shop wrapping gifts. I worked at every store in the mall. By the time I was like right before my hot 97 job, I was like top seller art and B making bank at the mall. Like, you know what I mean? And I learned so many sales skills, for example, at such a young age, which now I'm using in my adult life 
10, 15 years later and making millions of dollars a year because I had that foundation as a kid working at the mall for, for 10 years, you know what I mean? And having to make that sale. And so then I worked at Hot 97. I got all that broadcasting experience. I learned how to audio edit. I honed my on-air personality skills. While I was working at the station, I had online shows, online radio shows, which was a precursor of podcasts. So Young and Profiting Podcast was like my fifth or sixth show by the time I actually mm. launched it. So I had so much experience to build off of. And then I also had social media experience with my blog site. I had writing experience. I, And just layering all those different things made me the perfect podcast host, social media agency CEO, podcast production agency CEO. And, you know, I, I then took those skills and trained my team to scale my company. And so to your point, You've got to take your experiences. You've got to stack those skills. And you never know how layering on your unique experiences will help differentiate you later on so you can really become successful. And I I feel like that's my story. I love that, especially with the skill stacking, because a lot of people, they don't know what skill stacking is. And, And to your point, it's really just having a bunch of different skills to help you succeed. And it sounds like that's really, you've built this accumulation of this amazing resume. Um, I kind of want to go into a little bit of your personal life because I've read a lot of your stories and you talked a lot about your dad and the impact that your dad had. And I know that he sadly passed away from COVID. Um, How did your dad's passing impact you at that time? And how were you able to move forward from that? Because I know that must have been really difficult for you. Yeah, that's such a great question. So my dad got COVID right when COVID happened. So my one, my family, we are from New Jersey. New Jersey got hit like kind of first. We were one of the first families in New Jersey that got COVID. And I remember getting a call from my sister. I was in Brooklyn living with my ex-boyfriend at the time. And she was like, hey, Hala, mom, dad, your brother have COVID and your aunt and uncle down the street. My sister's a doctor. And she's like, I'm coming home to help. Are you coming? You have 20 minutes to pack your bags. And I was um. like all right, I'm coming. Little did I know I would be at my parents' house for the next three months and actually starting my company. So I had Young and Profiting podcast at that time for two years. And I was slowly becoming a really big podcast. I already had big guests. I was already an influencer on LinkedIn. But I was making money. I had like a little bit of sponsorship money, but it wasn't a business yet. It was totally a side hustle. And I had a job at Disney. And it was I always thought it was going to be a hobby. Now, my dad got COVID. I ended up coming home. Um, everything shut down. Disney was like work from home. And so I had no commute. I just worked from my parents' house. I couldn't see my boyfriend or my friends because I had COVID. And at that point, people were really scared of anyone who had COVID. So even though I was totally fine, like two weeks later, everyone was scared to hang out with me. So I literally didn't see anyone for three months. And I had a lot more time. I had no commute. I was good. No boyfriend, no friends. (laughs) My dad was dying. (laughs) Like all I did was just work and try to talk to my dad on Zoom while he was in the hospital. And so it just made me realize how short life was. And I was living my dreams, but part-time. You know, my real passion was working on my podcast. I felt like I was going nowhere at my Disney job. It was totally a boys club. It was a great, cushy, well-paying executive job, but it would have taken me 20 years to ever accomplish the amount of success that I'm having now. And so it was like this crossings. I also had a mentor, Heather Monahan, that I met. She came on my show. She met me at a really tough time in my life and and she's uh, about 10 years older than me. And she kind of took me under her wing and really checked up on me while my dad was sick in the hospital when I felt like nobody was checking up on me. Actually, I might cry thinking about it, but she was there for me and she 
was my first client. She kicked me in the butt. She was like, Hala, you know, I've seen what Gary V does. You showed me your templates. You showed me your Slack channel. I had a volunteer team at the time of interns that were just working for me for free. And she's like, convert your interns into a team. Do Start with my social. She was a huge influencer. I took her on and then it just snowballed one after the next. Um, six months later, when I was ready to quit my job at Disney, I had landed the cover of Podcast Magazine. I mm-hmm. had 30 employees all over the world, mostly from the Philippines. I had three full-time U.S. employees and was already generating like, you know, way more than my Disney paycheck a month. And so it turned out great. And it was all from taking that leap. And it was partially because my father passed away and I realized how short life is and and that like I had way more to offer to that world and I wanted to make my father super proud and I feel like he always believed in who I could be and so I had the confidence to take that leap and yeah well I'm proud of you (laughs) I I know that COVID, I think, was a difficult time and confusing time for everyone. And I think, too, for a lot of people, including myself, it really kind of made me start thinking of, is this what I really want to do? Similar to you, I did. Well, I didn't leave my job full-time, but I went part-time because I'm like, I have to pursue what makes me happy. What's makes, what makes me happy is my clients, is podcasting, is doing what I love on a more macro level. And I didn't want to work for the government anymore. And so the more that I did it, the more I just felt that, like, that instinct of, it's like, this, I feel stuck. Like this just doesn't sit right with me. The more I did it, the more I felt trapped. That's like the only way that I can put it is feeling trapped. So what made you even start the podcast? So when you came up with this idea, I know you've done lots of shows. What was that one moment where like, you know what, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to go all the way. It's the reason why I start everything. And it's so funny. It's revenge. <laughs> yes. I start everything from revenge. Yes. Like all the the greatest moments in my life was like a revenge story always. And it's 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 using that failure as a way to fuel your next thing. So mm-hmm. every time I fail, and you asked me this question before, so I'm glad that we circled back because I didn't really get to answer it. Every time I fail and get rejected, I'm sad for like, 12 hours. You know, I cry, I'm dramatic, I, you know, stomp my feet. And then, and then I think like, well, what can I channel into like something new? What's a new project that I can focus on? What's a new goal? How can I accomplish what I wanted without having the exact outcome that I wanted? So for example, I was at Hewlett Packard and I'm going to cut this story short because it's too boring, but basically I was president of the Young Employee Network at Hewlett Packard, and I love being a leader. I've I've been a leader my whole life. And so it gave me an opportunity to lead like 100 young employees at my office. Eventually, I was on the Global Young Employee Board. I put on this huge event across the whole world at Hewlett Packard. There was 300,000 employees at the time, and I was communicating to everyone in the company every day via email. And it was called HPE Spirit Week. It was like themed events every day all around the world. And it was like a big shebang. And I was like the star of the Young Employee employee network. I was the face of the young employees and I deserved to be the president of the global young employee network. And so that was my next thing. And so I was just like, I'm so competitive. So I got into corporate and I was like an entrepreneur in corporate. I was the face of the young employees. And like my big thing was I wanted to be the president of the global young employee network. The HR director like hated me 
gatekeeper. Gatekeepers always don't like me usually. Mm-hmm. I always Same. have to get it on my own. And so she hated me. She was not having it. And she gave it to some guy who had zero experience after I dedicated like three years of my life and basically worked for free, a side hustle within the company, within this employee resource group. And she slapped me in the face and was like, screw you. They didn't even keep me on the board. It was crazy. It was such a like screw you moment. You know what I mean? When somebody just gives you something that you totally didn't deserve. Yep. And then she left the company a month later. She hated being at the company anyway. And I had like been obsessed with HP. And so I felt like, okay, now I want to leave the company. I went to Disney very shortly after, but at the same time I was like, well, I can't lead these, you know, 10,000 employees, young employees at Hewlett Packard. I obviously still have this itch to like want to use my voice for good in the world, which has been my goal since I was a little girl. I was a singer, then I was in Hot 97, and I always wanted to use my voice for good. I never just knew exactly how. And then I just decided, well, I have all this free time. I was working a side hustle, basically. I always work multiple jobs. And I was like, well, I just have one job that I'm like coasting in right now. And I have all this time. And podcasts became mainstream. I was doing online radio shows before. Podcasts were really technical to get into. It was even hard to listen to. So podcasts were like way more mainstream, not as like, you know, saturated as it is now, but they were easier to do. I could just like Google and kind of figure it all out. And so I just decided, like, I'm just going to do this. And I remember it, it was New Year's. It was about to be New Year's. And I was sitting at a table with all of my coworkers. And everyone was doing, like, New Year's resolutions. And, and they were like, everybody give your New Year's resolution. And I was like, I'm starting a podcast in 2020, in, in 2018. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, right. Like, you know, and I did it. And I remember taking that winter break to like think of the concept. I thought I was going to take like 10 days to launch. I ended up launching in April of 2018. And it took me like three, four months to get ready to launch. And it was just great from the start. I had big guests from the start. And it was all because I had all those experiences again. So when most people start off with episode one, they're embarrassed of their episode. My like one, two, and three are like masterpieces. And then I got super fans from the start who turned into volunteers for the show. So by episode eight, I had 10 volunteers helping me grow the podcast. And so I feel like I had a really unique journey. Um, but it was because I had so much experience. So by the time I started, I was like pretty seasoned. I love that. And, you know, one thing that I can relate to that you said is how it fueled you. It's like, for me, I'll get that the haters make me want to do better. Like if you tell me that I can't do it, I'm going to do it. Like I was in the Marine Corps and that's the whole reason why I went into the Marines because I wanted to go into the branch that had the the least amount of females. When I was told you're never going to succeed. I got my master's degree. When I was told, you know, you're never going to be able to do anything, I started a business. You know, so every single time somebody told me I wouldn't be successful, I'm like, I'm determined to make it successful and then some, just to prove you wrong. Like I'll cry a little bit for maybe a day. I'm just like you. And then I get over it and I do what I need to do. It's almost like this level of perfectionism. For me, I think it's also a level of fear, if I'm honest, because if I don't succeed, I don't know who I would be. Like that's part of my identity. And if I'm not successful, I feel like there's no one there to pick up the pieces. So it's kind of like a fear-based thing for me too, is I have to do good at everything because it's a survival mechanism for you. A regular person, I feel like when they've had those 
rejections or those failures, they would have just stopped and you kept going. There's a lot of resiliency. Where do you think that resiliency comes from? Do you think that comes from, you know, your dad or? Oh, 100%. I mean, my dad grew up in Palestine in war. He grew up with no electricity, no running water. That man came to, you know, ended up getting a scholarship to medical school. He came to America. He became chief of surgery and multiple hospitals. He started a medical center. He was like a community leader. He was just, and so generous. Like, that's the thing. My dad could have like driven a Lamborghini if he wanted to, but instead he put like all my cousins through college. And I actually wasn't that spoiled growing up, even though my dad was this like really successful surgeon. I never had like Louis or Gucci and stuff like my friends. That's why I always worked because I wanted cool clothes. And so like, yes, he taught me so much resiliency. And also I believe having faith that life is limitless gave me Mm -hmm. resiliency because I think when you get rejected so many times and, you know, you win some and you lose some. And I saw that a lot at a young age, like especially like having all those experiences when I was 19, hanging out with celebrities and seeing all the success so up close, you realize that they're just normal people. And so my brain said, Holly, you're going to be that one day. Like you're no different than them. And so I just feel like all these rejections were these, the universe, like forcing me to, to do something that was right for me. I'll give you an example. When I was, um, didn't get the MTV show. The first thing that I thought was I'm going to be a speech language pathologist. Cause again, I wanted to use my voice for good. Mm -hmm. And my, my siblings were all doctors and everyone in my family was like, well, this is the best that Hall is going to amount to. Not because they thought I was dumb, but they just thought I was like late in my career and they just wanted me to like have a stable job. So they're like, go to go to go to a speech language pathology school, just do that. And then you'll make 80 grand a year and you'll be fine. And like, this is what you, where you belong. I applied to 14 schools and didn't get to into any of them. And I'm so freaking thankful. I'm so happy because it forced me to like continue on to like a general thing, like marketing business, which I'm so good at. Like, thank God. I, like that was so not me. Like, you know what I you. mean? It was mm-hmm. never for me mm-hmm. since I was a little girl. I was never like into that kind of stuff. And so I'm just so thankful that like, whatever it was, like people reading my resume were probably like, you're going to hate this. Like, go away. Like, this is not for you. And so sometimes you need to trust, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is you need to trust that the universe is guiding you to where you're supposed to go. And sometimes the journey takes a lot longer than you thought it was going to going to. And for me, for example, you know, it took eight years longer than I thought it would. And part of that is because I lost my way for four years in corporate because I just didn't believe in myself anymore. But also part of that is just because it wasn't my time. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't ready. I didn't have the right skills. And now is my time. And so everybody has their time. Oh, yeah. I relate to that. Um, I... When I got out of the military, I was married. I got divorced. I was a single mom, now trying to go back to school. And I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with my life? Like, I don't know. I didn't even know where to go. And when I look back at it, I'm like, I'm so glad that it happened the way that it did. At the time, it felt like my whole world was crumbling. But had that have not have happened in that timeline, I would not be where I'm at today. I wasn't ready. I would have never, like, if somebody would have told me, oh, you're going to be, 
doing podcasting. You're going to be doing um, psychic tarot readings, which I do on the side too. And I love doing them because I get to help other people. I thought my journey, I'm like, I'm going to be a therapist and that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to sit in therapy and I'm going to help people. And although that's still something that I do, it's still something I enjoy doing. I never would have thought that this is where I would be. And now I'm like, I don't even know what's going to happen in the next 10 years. I'm just trying to like manifest whatever this future happens. And very similar to you, when I started my podcast, I didn't expect to start it. But for me, it was like, I have shit to say. And I know that I want to help people. I know I want to use my voice to help people. And I know I can do it on a more macro level. So I love your resiliency. I can relate to it. Not a lot of people understand the level of perfectionism that can sometimes go with that. When you are somebody who is an entrepreneur, and you're dabbling in all these different things, how do you deal with burnout? How do you deal with not feeling like tired and and like I know for me I get to the point sometimes where I do think about quitting. I don't, but there are times when I'm like I can just have all my time back and stop. What prevents you from just stopping? I think this is a great question. I think one of the things that you need to do especially when you're an entrepreneur is celebrate the little wins and really make it a point to take time and celebrate the little wins. Even just you finishing this episode with me. You are one step closer to your dream because you decided to get on here, to be prepared, to have this conversation with me, to show up on time and just to do it. And and that is so important. And a lot of people forget to just even celebrate the little things. That's going to give you more motivation as you celebrate. The other thing is just knowing your why. Like for me, I love being a leader and having a big team actually really satisfies me because and I, this is like a recent discovery that I realized is I want to make an impact and it really matters to me to have like a big team. And I've always had a really big team and it's because I want to provide for people. And so the fact that like 60 people get a paycheck from me makes me feel really motivated. Like, well, if I can't show up for myself today, I'm showing up for these 60 people because I'm the main main seller. I'm the face of this company. Like I've got to show up for them. And they motivate me. And so like having a larger why, which is like providing for my team now and also doing a great job for my clients, I feel like really helps motivate me. The other thing is, is just loving what you do, right? I was really blessed where I got to start a side hustle with my passion and my passion turned into my job. And when you love what you do, it doesn't really feel like work. Like I feel so curious about podcasting. Like they call me the podcast princess. And I feel like one of the reasons why I've been successful is because I'm such a nerd about it. Like I'm reading podcast news all the time. I'm reading everything I can read. I'm learning about how to monetize. I'm learning about the ins and outs of the industry. I feel like I know, like I'm one of 5% of podcasters that actually know everything about this industry. And I feel like so many podcasters are like just like on the surface and all they know is like their show. And there's, there's so much more than just like the content in your show. And so I just feel like when you're passionate, you're curious and you learn. And because you learn so much, you end up doing a way better job and thinking of new solutions and new opportunities and creative ways to like grow and get better and better. And so you also need to love what you do and really pick something that you think you're going to be curious about and want to learn about because then you'll do better and you'll gain the right skills and the right knowledge to do a good job and you'll get that positive feedback that will help you keep going. I love that. I think that's a great response. And so that kind of leads into my next question about entrepreneurship. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? 
Well, I think entrepreneurs have a certain personality type. I don't think entrepreneurship is for everyone. And one of the reasons why is I think everybody thinks that like to be rich, you have to be an entrepreneur. It's definitely a way to limit your ceilings for sure. And lots of really, really rich people are entrepreneurs, but you can be very successful in a corporate job. You can be an entrepreneur within a corporate company. You can be a C-suite executive. There's CEOs who get paid millions of dollars a year. And at the end of the day, your company, the money that you make is only the profit. And so it's like lots of expenses to run a company in most instances. And so it's very difficult. And what I would say is if you want to be an entrepreneur, make sure that you're a self-starter, make sure that you feel self-motivated uh, because those are going to be the two key things to make sure that you're a good entrepreneur. The other thing is like being a problem solver, liking to learn and being willing to roll up your sleeves. A lot of people are like strategists and things like that. That's not going to fly as an entrepreneur. Like you need to like get your hands dirty and do the work if, if things are going awry and and you need to be able to train your team, for example, so that you can scale. And I just feel like if you want to be an entrepreneur, you should be a really hard worker. You should have a lot of skills, sales skills, negotiation skills are super, super important. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you need to be a great networker, I think. And you need to kind of like make shit happen. You need to be a make shit happen kind of person. <laughs> if you're not that kind of person, and it doesn't mean that's a bad type of person. There's people who work better in teams. There's people who like process. There's people who like a proven recipe, a template. If that's the kind of person you are and you're you're not comfortable with the unknown, you're not comfortable with problem solving or like just self-starting, you should not be an entrepreneur in my opinion. In terms of being an entrepreneur for me, I think about success and I define success on like what does that mean to me? And it used to be, okay, I want to have a house. Okay, then I got the house. Now I want to have the job. I got the job. I want to make a certain amount of money. And I did that. And I felt like every time I got to the pinnacle, it wasn't enough. So for you, how do you define success? Because you're clearly successful. You clearly have achieved the things that you have set out to achieve. Do you feel like you have gotten to the pinnacle of your success? And how do you define that? Well, now I think success looks different for me. Now success is living my life. I feel like I worked like crazy for so long. I, I can't remember when I didn't have two jobs, right? Just like for so long, I feel like since I was 19, I've worked so hard and I'm in my early 30s now. And so for me, I am taking a step back as success is like more of a well-rounded life. And I feel like my my attitude towards success changes all the time, just depending on my experiences and things like that. So now I feel like I'm at a point where I have a really great leadership team. I'm starting to step back a little bit, dabble into the things that I really want to get better at, like public speaking and writing a book and just elevating my personal brand. I started a podcast network and I'm like really innovating on that. But I'm also like having way more fun. Like I have a new love in my life. Oh. I'm I'm like, you know, going to the spa during the day if I want to. I'm taking walks in the middle of the day where I used to just work 18 hours a day. And so I'm starting to like enjoy life. And to me, success feels like a balance now. Success also feels like maybe starting a family soon and, and like having just like a more well-rounded, healthy life because I feel like I really focus on career 
for a long, long time. And I'm really happy about that because I feel like if you do want to be extraordinary successful, you need to sacrifice. And I feel like I did do that. And I still work really hard. But for me, success feels more well-rounded now. And I want to have a balanced life. And I don't need to be a billionaire. I used to think I wanted to be a billionaire and all these kind of things. I want to be really rich. But I don't need to be a billionaire. I could be a hundred millionaire and I could just like slow down a little bit. <laughs> I agree. I'm like that too. Like I I was always defined success on a certain value point in terms of money. And now I'm like, you know, to me, success looks like having balance. I want to be able to have a comfortable lifestyle, but I also want to be able to take that trip. I also want to spend time with my daughter. I would love to meet somebody, which that hasn't happened. If you know anybody, let me know. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to have that success because I, to me, I that's what I define really, truly being successful, really, truly being wealthy. Because again, I found myself getting at the pinnacle and then I told myself I would be happy and I was never taking time to actually enjoy the view, to be present, to enjoy what I had right now. And if you're constantly living in the future, if you're constantly living in fear in the past, you're never truly focusing on the right now. And then all of life has passed you by. So it's so important. I think this is a really good point because there's this idea of delayed gratification and it's really important for a period of time to delay gratification. If you really want to like level up, you can change your whole life in four years. I literally changed my whole life in four years. I have 10x my income. My whole career trajectory is totally different now because I sacrificed for four years and literally worked 16 to 18 hour days every single day and worked two jobs and started this company and took a risk and all that kind of stuff for four years. And that's four years of my life I'll never get back, but I've set myself up and I I delayed that gratification. But you can't do that forever, right? And so for me, it's like I'm at this pivotal point where I'm like, I need to stop delaying gratification. Like you got to live at some point. Life, Life is short. Career is not the only thing that matters. Money is not the only thing that matters. But there are points in your life, and I think this is what a lot of people miss, there are points in your life where you're going to need to sacrifice, you're going to need to take the time to learn, to get that degree, to get that those skills, to get those experiences, whatever it is, you need to put in the work and the time and the reps. And so it's just a matter of knowing that and not being one extreme or the other, you know, or being one extreme knowing that it's temporary for a while. But too many people just never delay gratification. And from their 20s till their 40s and 50s, they're doing whatever, wherever the wind takes them. And that's why they're 50 years old. And they're like, I have no money for retirement. Well, it's like, well, when did you sacrifice? You mm-hmm. know, did you put in that work? There's a nurse that did research a long time ago, and she interviewed people who were on their deathbed and they were dying. I believe she was a hospice nurse. And she wrote a book and she talked about five regrets of the dying. And one of the top regrets was I worked too much. Another one was I didn't tell people how I feel. Another one I think was traveling. But that really stuck out to me that a lot of these people were on their deathbeds and they wish that they would have taken more chances. They wish that they would have stopped to enjoy the moment because they just worked, worked, worked. But I think to your point, you do you may need to sacrifice, especially if you're an entrepreneur. But if you're constantly sacrificing, if you have no relationships, if you have no social life, if you have, you know, no family time, you know, what are you getting back out of it? What would be the one piece of advice 
for entrepreneurs that if you had to narrow it down to one thing or maybe one thing that really was like the key piece of advice that helped you throughout your career or throughout your journey, what would you say that would be? Getting experiences, especially when you're young, because when you're young, you don't have a lot of responsibility. And so you can work for free. You can work for minimum wage. And I feel like those skills that I learned when I worked for free and on somebody else's dime or minimum wage, I've carried them with me. And like, like we said, stacked them one on top of each other, where it just like turned me into this like really powerful person. So like take the time to work to gain experiences, even if there's not that much financial gain, because it will pay off later right? You're setting yourself up for the future. You're investing in yourself. So instead of investing yourself in like getting a degree, like, and, and paying for schooling, you're investing yourself with the time that you take for that internship and things like that. So take those experiences. Number one, uh, number two is having that limitless mindset, like believe that anything is possible. When you believe that anything is possible and you have big goals, you start to see things that you would otherwise be blind to. And so for four years when I was working in corporate and didn't believe in the law of attraction and didn't believe that life was limitless and thought I was just going to be this normal person, I was blind to all my opportunities, right? And then as soon as I snapped out of it, all these things opened up again because I wasn't blind anymore. And my brain was actually looking for the things that I wanted, right? And so your reality, it comes from your mind, right? Your wand is the words that you say and think in this life. And so what I'd say is like, really believe that life is limitless. Think about the goals that you want. Don't be attached to a certain outcome. Think about the impact that you want to make and what kind of impact you want to make because your outcome is always going to change as you get older and want new things. But just try to figure out what you want in terms of the impact that you're making on this world and put it out there and write it down and say it over and over and visualize it and step into your dream as much as you can. Do the hard work. And things are going to work out. Like if you do the hard work and believe in yourself, things will always work out. Do you feel like it was harder for you being a woman, not only a woman, but an Arab woman in business? Oh my God. Yes. I look so much younger than I am, you know, like not necessarily on camera, in person, like I look really young. Like people still think that I'm like 22 years old and I'm over 10 years older than that. Right. And in corporate, that was really difficult. I was really smart and I I definitely did really well at Hewlett Packard, but at Disney, like everyone was treating me like a little girl, even though I was like in an executive position and I just didn't have that authority and I'm really petite and I love to dress how I dress. I'm very girly. I wasn't going to like be a tomboy just for everyone else. I've always been like who I am and I like to be sexy and I like to do my makeup and a lot of people associate that with not being smart, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I would always continually have to prove myself and prove myself. But again, I'm so thankful for that because I learned how to work harder than everyone else. I would have to work three times harder than my male counterparts to get any sort of recognition. But I'm happy about that now because it served me well as an entrepreneur and I learned more skills because of it. And everybody has their path. And honestly, had had I not been like a small petite Arabic girl who felt like she was being ignored in corporate, I I probably would have never taken the leap because I would have been just too complacent with where I was at and too comfortable. So I'm really happy that it all happened the way that it happened. And now I feel like it's actually more of a secret weapon. And I stand out as being like a female podcaster who's Palestinian. So everything happens for a reason. And I'm, I'm happy the way it all turned out. Well, that's what stuck out 
for me, when I read about your story, because I came across your article in Podcast Magazine, and I was like, oh, wait, she's Palestinian. Let me check her out. Let me check out her podcast. And so that was, that's what drew me to you. But I, like you, have had those issues with female bosses or with people treating me differently because of how I looked. I worked in the prison system and I remember I had an incident with an inmate and they're like, well, look at how you're dressed. I'm like, listen, I dress professionally. I have my hair in a bun. I'm not wearing perfume. I'm not wearing makeup. I can't change my bone structure over here. And, you know, a lot of assumptions, if you're in the Marine Corps, if you're pretty, oh, you must be slutty. You know, so it's, it's all these assumptions that I had that I dealt with, but it's because of those things that it did make me resist resilient and made me want to fight even harder. And so I love that because I know there's a lot of people listening that may be feeling like that or maybe feeling like they want to give up or they might want to pursue a business and they don't know where to start or don't know, you know, what if they fail. So I'm so glad that there's people like you that are driving the way for female entrepreneurs of minorities, especially because we need more faces like you, more faces like me, more faces like us that can say like, you can do it. We did it. What would be the one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self if you had to name one? Oh, wow. To my <laughs> younger self? I guess I would tell myself to be more patient. I, there was a point in my life where I was like really impatient. And that's a really negative thing to be because when you feel impatient, you're just like turning away all the good in the world. And so I would have told myself like, be patient, Hala, keep your head down, just work hard, you know, believe in yourself and stay patient and just take everything with grace instead of wanting things so quickly, so quickly, so quickly, because I, I guess I just never realized that you can still live, live like a full life. Like I thought 30 was so old when I was younger. You know, like when you're in your 20s, like you feel like, oh my God, 30 is so old. I have to accomplish things now. I need to get married now. I need to have kids now. Like, like I need to get that job now. But it's like, no, you like life is long. Life is not, it's, it's short, but it's long at the same time. Like there's plenty of time to accomplish things. Gary Vee always talks about this. He says that anybody under 40 is a baby. And it's true. It's like we live in a different world now. 30 is a new 20. So just realize that like you have a lot of time to accomplish your goals, You've got to use your time wisely. Don't waste time. Again, delay gratification for a certain period in your life so you can kind of just get ahead and then have a great life, right? So I guess my advice would be like, just be patient, Hala, and keep your head down and keep working hard. Well, I love that. And I love you. I'm so proud of you. And I, I don't mean like oh, love you, you really, but I just I love who you are and you know, your energy and the essence that you bring. And um, I'm so humbled that you came on the show and keep doing what you're doing and paving the way for us and, and just creating the space for women to admire you and to hopefully follow in your footsteps. So thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And for everybody tuning in, if you want to check out my podcast, it's called Young and Profiting. It's a number one education across all apps. Uh, like Chris was saying, I was on the cover of Podcast Magazine. I've interviewed Deepak Chopra, Matthew McConaughey, Seth Godin, Dave Asprey, Ed Milet. So many good interviews. Again, it's Young and Profiting podcast. You can catch it on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Yes. And I'm going to link everything for everyone to find you, your website, your Instagram, your podcast. Definitely check it out. It's amazing. And everything that you do so everyone can follow you and find you. So thank you so much thank you. once again. 